welcome back to another episode of the Thrivabetic Podcast. My name is Kate, and today I am talking with Amanda Kellogg. Amanda is someone that I connected with through Instagram, and she is actually not type 1 diabetic herself, but her son Lucas has type 1 diabetes. He was diagnosed at a very, very young age, and she talks all about what it's like to parent a young child with type 1 diabetes and just overcoming those challenges and working through all of the trials of type 1 diabetes with a very young kid. Lucas is about three years old now and he is a rock star. He is he also has autism, um, so it's a little bit more difficult to for him to verbalize and explain what he's feeling with highs and lows. So Amanda even goes into that a little bit and just talks a lot about how technology and diabetes has helped her tremendously. And on top of that, how being a part of the diabetic community on Facebook and Instagram has also helped a ton. So we are going to get into it. Please welcome Amanda Kellogg. Hi, Amanda. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, I'm happy to be here. Good. Yeah. So I am super excited to talk to you all about parenting a young child with type 1 diabetes. But before that, if you could just give a little bit about yourself and your son, Lucas, and about the diagnosis story as well. Of course. Um, So my name's Amanda. I'm 30. I live in California. Uh, My husband and I have been together for 12 years. We've been together since high school. Um, Lucas was born in 2018, and then he was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes in 2019. He was 13 months old, and that was an absolute blindside for us. We knew nothing about type 1 diabetes, and um, we didn't think anything was off. He was drinking a lot of water peeing through diapers at night, but it was 90 degrees here. So for us, that didn't feel like a crazy thing. It just felt like, oh, okay, it's, it's warm. He's drinking more. Um, I even remember posting in a mom's group on Facebook asking like, what do you guys do when your kids are peeing through their diapers at night? And now looking back, like I had no idea that it was diabetes. And now anytime I see a post like that, I, I have to say something just in case. (laughs) So those things had been going on for maybe three weeks or so. And one morning he was in his play area And my husband went to say goodbye to go to work. And he asked me, did Lucas have a frozen teether? And I was like, no. He said, his hands are really cold. And uh, he picked him up and then he said, his feet are really cold too. Wow. I'm thinking, this is weird. But but I didn't know what that would mean. Um, I went to walk into the room that he was in and James pulled his pacifier out of his mouth and his lips were blue. I could see it clear across the room. So I immediately called his pediatrician. We started packing a bag. I, at the time, was a nanny for four school-aged kids, and I used to take Lucas with me. So we were definitely thinking, like, the flu or RSV, and I had been with them that morning, actually, because I dropped them off at school. So maybe one of them, you know, gave him something, and he was, like, choking or something, something, but definitely not diabetes. (laughs) So we took him um, to the local children's hospital 
the pediatrician said if we could get there to go there first. So that's where we went. And it took about five hours for them to diagnose him. They did ultrasounds and x-rays and all these things. And they kept calling him the veinless wonder because they had seven different technicians try to get an IV in him between him being a little bit chunky and the dehydration he was, it was almost impossible. Even using the lights and the ultrasound machines, it was almost impossible to get an IV in his body. Um, Once, yeah, once they finally did, they said, okay, we're only going to use this to give fluids, which meant they had to do blood draws from another area because typically they would do blood draws and IVs from the same port, but they didn't want to risk messing that one up since they finally got it in him. And It was very scary because they kept saying, this came back fine. This came back fine. This came back fine. And my husband and I are kind of like, okay, then why are we still, why are we still poking him? What are we doing here? If you guys are saying he's fine. And a nurse looked at us and she said, your baby looks sick. And that was like the first time that we saw it. You know, it's almost the same thing as like when somebody gets a haircut or loses weight. If you don't see them every day, you notice it more quickly. But when you see them every day, we didn't notice he had lost weight. We didn't notice that he looked sick. But now looking back at photos, it's so clear when he started to not feel good. So he was sort of in the like least grim way possible. He was sort of fading very quickly. He went from being awake and alert to just laying there. And uh, we had no idea what was going on. And eventually the doctor came in and she said, your son is in diabetic ketoacidosis. And we both were like, what was that? (laughs) She said, he has type one diabetes. And at the time, as a ton of people, we were very ignorant to what type one was. And we were like, he's never even had sugar. Like he didn't even eat his birthday cake on his first birthday. Like, oh my God. how could this be happening, you know? And then she explained to us that it was an autoimmune disorder and his blood sugar was 487, which is actually not that high for somebody being diagnosed in DKA, but for somebody who's 24 pounds, that is very high. (laughs) Um, His A1C was 9.1 and that was it. We were admitted for five days. They taught us how to do injections on an orange (laughs) and we were, you know, given the whole spiel and it was kind of crazy having to leave that hospital knowing we would do this for the rest of his life just to keep him healthy. Yeah, I can only imagine just like having a child who's that young go through all of that and just having like no idea how exactly they're feeling because they can't tell. Absolutely. Yeah. No understanding. The other part that got me was like all the times he was feeling badly. Not only could he not tell us, like he didn't understand why. Mm-hmm. So I can't imagine like, especially I, I'm, I'm not diabetic, so I can't speak on it. But people say like highs can feel like hangovers and I've had a hangover. And I can say like, if I had a hangover and I didn't understand it or didn't understand why I had it, that would be really tough. Oh my to gosh, yeah. also have to just continue to function your whole normal day, but feeling that way and not understanding why. Yeah, definitely. So with that diagnosis, like, what was that like for you and your husband? Like, how did you guys deal with that emotionally? Um, We were lucky to have supportive 
parents, our parents, um, both my mom and his mom came to the hospital. They learned how to do injections. Um, because of COVID, they haven't actually had to put any of those things into practice, but they did come and learn about diabetes in the hospital with us. Um, it's definitely kind of shook our world up, but we are very fortunate that like I was able to quit my job and stay at home with him and um, sort of just jump right into the community. Yeah, um, great. So then I know you have a couple of different Instagram accounts for Lucas. Um, is that how you found community support as well? And just like connecting with other moms who had children with type one diabetes? Yeah. So my husband um, does photography uh, on the side. And so we had, had started an Instagram page for Lucas when he was like six months old or something just for fun. Mm -hmm. And so it already existed. He had 200 followers or something, and it was just for fun for friends and family and such. And, um, when he was diagnosed sort of that, like this feeling of absolute loneliness sets in. It's a, it's a life that nobody understands, but you or people who are doing it with you, you know, when a new mom says she's tired or a mom of a one-year-old says she's tired, it is a different kind of tired when you're up checking their blood sugar at two o'clock in the morning or whatever. It's just a different type. It's just a different life. And so we did sort of stumble upon the diabetic online community through Instagram. And I honestly don't know how we would have gotten through the last, you know, year and a half without that. We were, I mean, I, there were times when our insurance wouldn't approve his test strips and I had somebody send us a huge box of test strips. And there, I mean, there's just times that like we would have struggled if I didn't have those people to lean on. I have two or three type one moms who I talk to almost daily now. Um, A couple who I have never even met in person and Mm -hmm we have become almost best friends. It's the language that nobody else speaks. You get to, you can text them and say like, oh, we didn't sleep at all. Lucy was high and, you know, she, this, that, and the other. And I can say, yeah, Lucas had two lows and it was terrible. And it's just something that we can relate on that nobody else understands. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Even just like having someone who understands like exactly what you're going through is just so different because like you said it's just a completely different life for us and it's very misunderstood too so having people who get it is so important so that's amazing and with a toddler you know you already leave the house with a bag full of things for a toddler (laughs) yeah but you can't just go to the park you can't just do you know if they're they're high you're not going to take them out in the heat or Mm -hmm. if they're low you have to wait or if you if they're fine you still have to bring all the 12 other things you might need if something happens and it's just a different life that's like it's so nice to have somebody who can just relate to it you know, you don't have to explain what you mean when you said you had a rough day or that, you know, that Lucas went low at the park and it was hard for him to understand that he had to stop playing because he had to drink juice or whatever it may be. And it's like I said, it's just a different language and it's so nice to have a community of people who speak it. Definitely. And so Lucas is three years old now. Is that right? He'll be three in September. So we're one year and eight months into him being diagnosed. Okay. So how do you go about talking to him about it? Like, is he kind of understanding that he has to do different things than other kids or are you talking to other kids about this too? 
so Lucas actually also has autism. Mm -hmm. Um, He has a pretty significant speech delay, a little bit of an understanding delay, but it's mostly speech. Uh, He's been in speech therapy, occupational therapy um, since he was a year and a half or so. And he's doing great in those areas, but he doesn't totally understand that what he does isn't what other kids do. And I think COVID probably contributes to that because he wasn't around as many kids as he may have been before. But we try to really like not make it about diabetes. You know, we, a site change takes 60 seconds. We just put it on and we, he even counts, he'll count one, two, three, when we're going to do that, um, do a Dexcom change and, he just, he's also such a great kid. He makes it so easy on us because he doesn't really throw fits or complain when we have to do those things. And if I pull out the Lansing device, he will either hold up his foot or hold out his finger. He knows. And a couple of his little, like little toddler friends will point at his devices or ask, but they're not quite old enough to understand yet. But we just tell them, Oh, that's his pump. Like we don't touch it. It has to stay on his body. It's pretty simple when they're this age because they don't, there's not as many questions to ask, but I, I'm, I'm sure that there will be down the road. Yeah, and I definitely think there is some slight advantage too to um, getting diagnosed so young because he's not really going to know any different than that. And I know- As much as I hate that being said, it is very true because- yeah. I can't imagine like somebody who's been going through their life, even a four-year-old, a six-year-old, a 12-year-old, especially like that rebellious stage of being a teenager. Like I can't imagine having to change everything the way you're doing it. Oh my gosh. Um, Cause I just remember like I was 10 years old. So I was like going into my teen years and just like, you want to fit in and like be normal and whatever. And then you have this like huge diagnosis where it changes your life. So yeah, I mean, of course I, wouldn't want to have diabetes for even longer, but also there is a little bit of an advantage with like just living with it your whole entire life and not knowing any different. Exactly. I totally agree. And sometimes it really does feel easier because he's also not old enough to understand it. I don't have to really explain it because it's just what we do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So then I was going to ask too, with him being so young and then also having autism, like he obviously can't tell you a lot about how he's feeling or like lows and highs and stuff like that and how long was it that you guys um switched over to devices with him like you I believe he has the Omnipod and then Dexcom correct yes I could not even fathom living life without Dexcom now yeah we went five weeks without it and like my husband and I joke, like, how did we survive those five weeks? I, how did he survive those five weeks? I have no idea. It was definitely tough. And I definitely would not want to do it again. (laughs) We also sort of had like a, how would you say it? Like a, all things are meant to happen the way they are kind of situation where um, I inadvertently helped a family diagnose their daughter in the earlier stages before it was dangerous and before she was in DKA and they were in a very fortunate situation and they made us an amazing offer um, that they offered to get Lucas a diabetic alert dog. Wow. So that's like such an amazing blessing, something that most people can't afford. Um, And 
So we have been on the waiting list for quite some time. And we actually got a call just two days ago that we have been matched with a dog and they'll be starting his training. So it'll still be, you know, eight or nine months before we actually have him, but Mm -hmm. that will just be one more layer of protection because Dexcom can be inaccurate and can be delayed. And that two hour warm up period is always terrifying. You never know what's going to happen. That is so exciting. I actually, um, met a younger kid with type 1 diabetes he was like six or seven and their family had a diabetic alert dog and it was like so cool to meet the dog and like understand a little bit more about what they do and all that so that will be so much fun to have yeah it's pretty amazing what they're capable of it's definitely a lot of work you have to do a lot of maintenance training and reinforcement but Mm -hmm. um I think the benefits outweigh that for sure yeah and so is it for getting the dog is the process that I heard um, was you had to take like saliva samples at different blood sugar levels and send them in. And that's yes. kind of how they train the dog off of scent. Is that the same as what you're doing? Yes. Yes. We haven't actually done that yet. They just sent out our set, scent collection kit um, yesterday, but yes, that is how they're, they'll be trained specifically for his, his smells. That is so exciting. Do you guys plan to have the dog with him like at all times then? Or how do you think that will work? Yeah, I think so. Um, typically, that's how it would be. Uh, thankfully, right now, he's just here. He's just at home. So it will be easy for all of us to like create that bond together and work on, uh, you know, training and all of those things as a family. Yeah, that is so cool. So then I guess, what would you say to parents? Like what advice would you have for parents and caregivers of a younger type one diabetic of like how they can um, be a part of a community or just like get support and resources um, when it comes to managing type one diabetes for their child? I think Facebook groups and the Instagram community are just invaluable. There's a Facebook group actually called Diapers and Diabetes that's specifically for parents with little type ones. And that has been a great resource. I'm sure it will be once we come upon potty training and all those things, how even how to navigate teaching them how to pull down their pants with a pump on their leg is just different than you would with a regular kid. There's a layer to everything that is just different. Um, So it's really nice to have that resource of people who've been there, done that and can give their, their input. Um, And yeah, the Instagram community has really been such a blessing for us. I rely heavily on their experiences and even sometimes just the encouragement there um, when you're alone handling, you know, being somebody else's organ, (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's a lot of pressure. And especially during COVID when we had to keep him safe. So there wasn't really a lot of interaction with family or friends or anybody else who could help. Um, Sometimes it's hard to know if you're doing the right thing or, you know, even just somebody to tell you you're doing a good job because they understand the job mm-hmm. is just something the words can't put in how important those words are when you need them. Yeah, definitely. Community is something that always comes up. I feel like with diabetes, just having people to lean on and talk to through all of that. Cool. I hope with um, my goal, I guess, with Lucas's Instagram page, I just, 
I like want to be that source of outreach. I have parents reach out to me all the time, newly diagnosed parents. And I think that's great. Um, but I also, I don't know everything. So I also mm-hmm. love being able to learn from the type one adults or the other type one parents who've been doing this longer than I have, who understand more things than I do. Um, I don't ever want to stop learning about it. And I just want to advocate. I want to educate. I, I just like, I don't want to let this just be Lucas. I want it to be so much more than that. Yeah, definitely. And it is always such a learning process too. I mean, I've had diabetes for almost 14 years now and like I'm still learning things every single year about diabetes. And of course it's different at each life stage too. Like you'll learn new things and Lucas um, when he's growing up, like he'll encounter different things with diabetes. So it's just like an ongoing thing of, needing resources and just support to learn more and learn from other people who have gone through those things already. Absolutely. And being able to lean on them when you need something. I mean, um, we have been fortunate this past year to have much better insurance. The first year that Lucas was diagnosed, I don't know if you've ever had to sign up for independent insurance um, when you're self-employed, but they give you a little quiz on like, how much do you go to the doctor? Blah, blah, blah. Well, a kid doesn't really go to the doctor very often. It's just the basics, you know? So he just had a basic level of insurance. And my husband went to the pharmacy while we were in the hospital because they make you, you know, go pick up your first first month of prescriptions. And it was a thousand dollars. And I mean, you know, we have our life sort of together, but we're 30. We don't just have, you know, that's $12,000 a year. If you were doing the math of a thousand dollars for a one month supply of stuff, you know, like that's a little bit crazy. We actually ended up going to Mexico, uh, cause we fortunately live very close and we actually went to Mexico and got a three month supply of all of his insulin to make it through the end of the year so that we could change insurance at the beginning of the next year. Wow. Um, But now we're fortunate to have better insurance and we've been able to help other families, families who are, you know, spending $400 a month on the Omnipod. And when you have a kid this age, syringes not only are like, okay, I don't really want to chase my child with a syringe, but then they start associating food with the syringes, which makes those negative experiences impact the way that they're eating. Um, especially if they're not old enough to understand it. And then on top of that, most syringes, or unless you're using diluted insulin, a half a unit, I mean, Lucas had to be 250 for us to correct with half of a unit. Wow. So it's just like, unless he was 250, if he was at 200 all day, there was absolutely nothing we could do for him. He would just have to be there. And so something like a pump is so important for little kids. And to hear that they're paying $400 a month is like, sickening you know it's just like we so we have been you know helping in any way we can as well sending out extra supplies that we have or that we come across here in our local community mm-hmm. but being able to lean on people is so important because this is not this is not a job for one person it's just not just like raising a child they always say like it takes a village this takes even more of a village it really does yeah, like a village times 10, basically. Exactly. <laughs> and yeah, you're so right about the technology too, like, especially for a very young child, like, it's almost necessary for them to have 
an Omnipod or some kind of pump and then a Dexcom too, because if they can't communicate it, or like you said, the um, associating like a negative experience with meals and the syringes and stuff like that, like it is so necessary to have those resources and stuff like that. And I hope that insurances can be more accommodating for diabetics one day, because I know that's just an ongoing problem. Seriously, I totally agree because it is a huge problem. I mean, not only was it that he'd have to be 250 in order for us to correct him, but for him to have half of a unit at a meal, he would have to eat 45 carbs in one meal. For a one-year-old, that's a lot. I mean, that's a lot of food. (laughs) And so there would be a lot of like scrambling at the end of a meal to give juice or gummies or something else to make up for whatever he didn't eat. And it's just really hard to create a healthy relationship with food when you're force feeding them. Definitely. And I can only imagine how much stress that has had to put on you and your husband too, just having to think about that all the time. I think that we are, like I said before, we're very fortunate that I am able to stay home now and I don't have to try to entrust somebody else to do this job because I don't even know if I would want to, honestly. It's, it is really high demand and it is 24 seven and sometimes you have to function on three hours of sleep and it is what it is. He's, he's two, he's going to wake up when he wakes up, you know, uh, you don't really have a choice, but to just keep going. Yeah. And have you guys thought about like what it will be like when he goes to school and stuff like that? Do you think that you guys will homeschool or how do you think the conversation with schools will go for talking about what he needs for a type as a type? We have a good friend who um, her daughter is the same age as Lucas and she's actually experiencing that now where she contacted numerous preschools and preschools are a little bit different than the regular school district just because they don't have the same requirements since you're not required to go to preschool. Uh, but as soon as she mentioned that her daughter had type one, the majority of them did not call her back. And wow. it's such a bummer to hear that. But this is the perspective that my husband and I both felt when we talked about if I was going to go back to work, if we were going to put Lucas in some sort of daycare situation, I wouldn't want to be Lucas's mom. And I wouldn't want to be the other kid's mom because Lucas has to be the priority. So I wouldn't want to be the mom of the other kid. Who's always going to have to be second place. If Lucas's blood sugar is low, it doesn't matter what you're doing with the other kid. Lucas has to come first. And I also wouldn't want to be Lucas's mom in that situation of that, you know, it sucks that my kid would have to be putting your kid to the wayside, no matter what's going on. And so that's definitely a hard situation to be in. Um, We do have some meetings with the school district coming up just in regards to Lucas's autism related therapies and things like that, because at three years old, that transfers from the state to the school district. Uh, and we assume that they're going to suggest some sort of preschool, but I'm not sure if we are ready for that, but we do intend to do homeschooling. I think we sort of, I think we sort of always wanted to when he was diagnosed with type one and then even more so being diagnosed with autism, Mm -hmm. it'll be better for him to learn how he needs to learn. And on his terms, if he has a terrible night where he doesn't get any sleep because diabetes wasn't playing nice, you know, he doesn't have to worry about, you know, how many more sick days does he have left before we get in trouble from the school district or getting up and going to school and being there for eight hours in the bright lights and feeling like terrible. We know quite a few type one who, 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 who homeschool because 
there's just so many benefits to that flexibility. Yeah, definitely. And just being able to understand better because I remember growing up and like teachers still not really understanding what type 1 diabetes was or like what my special accommodations or needs were for that. So that would for sure be helpful for him. Yeah, I think we would just, you know, do some extracurriculars to get that social interaction. But even just the idea of like, what if a pump fell off at school that ruins the whole day, you know, his blood sugar goes high. And then it's a whole thing of whoever, whichever parents stopping what they're doing, going over there, because the school's not allowed to change pumps. So it's just, there's so many layers of like, what could happen that it's Mm -hmm. nice to know that we can avoid that by having him here. Yeah, definitely. So can you tell me a little bit about your Etsy shop that you have for the um, pump stickers? And do you do Dexcom stickers as well? Yeah, so it started June of 2020. My sister uh, offered to like cut us some little stickers for Lucas's Dexcom. And so we got a few prints and, you know, got those cut. And we were like, what if this was something we did? you know? So, and my husband is really good at designing and he's great with technology and computers and all these things, which I'm not. Um, (laughs) And he sort of took the reins on that and started designing stickers. And we didn't really think it was going to turn into anything. We just thought it would be like a fun little thing. Maybe a few people would buy stickers and we've made, we've sold, uh, almost like 8,000 stickers in a year. Uh, It's amazing that we've been able to do this. And again, it really helps me be able to be home with Lucas. So yeah, right right now we make stickers for the Omnipod, the T-Slim, the Dexcom G5, G6, and the the Libri, the Libre, however you say it. (laughs) That is so cool. And yeah, such like a extra fun thing for you to do too while you're home with him so yeah I mean I'm really good at like the customer service side and I have the time because I'm home to you know pack orders during nap time and things like that and then we do custom stickers and then um, just recently we actually got our own like industrial printer and we were printing them like with the printing company before and now we get to print them in-house which is great and we're working on you know hopefully doing over patches sometime this year and hopefully expanding into more um, devices as well. That is so cool and so exciting. And what is the name of that? Where can people follow that? Yeah, the Instagram is Lucas's part-time pancreas and then it's just part-time pancreas on Etsy. Cool. And then my last question is, where can people follow you, follow Lucas's journey, and keep up with you guys? So Lucas's Instagram is just Lucas Kellogg. Um, I post on there quite frequently on his stories. A lot of people just follow because Lucas is Lucas. Um, (laughs) But a good majority of his following is um, the Type 1 community, which is really awesome. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right. Well, I will have all those linked in the show notes too for anyone who's wanting to connect with you and um, also have your Etsy shop linked in there as well so people can find that and keep up with you. But thank you so much for this. This was amazing and some great advice for parents and caregivers. Of course. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and follow me on Spotify. You can also connect with me on social media. I'm on Instagram and TikTok at Thriveabetic. Thank you again for listening and I will be back next week with another episode.